Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Butterfly Kisses. I am your host, Amy Gray Cunningham, and today I am joined with Indra Rensler. He has been involved in spirituality and astrology for well over 50 years now. He is a seeker and a devotee on the spiritual path, and he's been studying and sharing the Enneagram personality since 1999, and I believe I got that correct, that word correct, but we'll we'll let him tell us (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) We'll let him tell us more about what that is here in just a minute, but he uses these modalities in life readings, and it's designed to help clients wake up to who they really are. Indra is enthusiastic, genuinely interestingly man, <laughs> and I, I can't wait to hear what he has to, has to say about that. He is a world traveler for over 20 years and offers sessions and classes in both the US and, USA and Asia, so he's been all over the world, and he has tons of stories and experiences to tell us about his spiritual journey and things he's been on, so I can't wait to see what spirit has to Tell us about who Indra is and what he has been, what he's seen and things he's been involved in. So Indra, please tell us a little bit about who you are and what this Enneagram personality is. Well, uh, who am I? You know, this is the question of a lifetime. You know, you put me on the (laughs) spot with this, who am I? And who, 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 I'm everything, you know, I'm nothing and everything at the same time. And, uh, good answer. I got onto, yeah, I got onto the spiritual path because I was, I suppose, searching for a real self. I had the opportunity to, to get involved that there were metaphysical bookstores in 1970 when I first moved to California. And I started reading about spirituality and reading about astrology, and I put one foot in front of the other, and here I am 50 years later. I've had incredible experiences. I lived in an ashram, a spiritual community, for 20 years, and then I became a world traveler. I've been to 56 countries, and I was a, a trader. I was buying not with a T, but with a D. I was buying goods overseas and selling them in the U.S. I did that for 12 years. And so I would travel. Uh, I was buying uh, spiritual items. I was buying textiles, singing bowls, uh, scarves, uh, shawls, bags, and selling them in uh, bookstores and in health food stores and any any places we could find. We had 200 stores at the height going from uh, uh, Washington, Oregon, California, Arizona, Colorado, Utah, and Nevada. And uh, it was a, quite a life. And then um, that stopped because I was supposed to do this other thing which is this astrology and the Enneagram. So the Enneagram of personality is a teaching. It's about 60 years old. And it says that there are nine personality types. That that it's not that there are only nine personality types, but there are nine personality types. And one of them is at our core. And when we understand the one that's at our core, then we have the ability to let go of our stories and let go of our of our ego and let go of our needs. And this is uh, from before birth, because I can see it in people's astrology charts. And it is the, these nine stories are not just, it's not just an archetypal story like 
other archetypal um, systems, I believe that these are the nine personality stories based on a two to 5,000 years of uh, Judeo-Christian tradition conditioning. This is the sum total of all of the crappy behavior that people have handed down from generation to generation that has been understood. The, ne the negative side of that has been understood by the Enneagram personality in order to be able to release it and to live on the high side of the, of the personality stories, which, which we have all over the world, whatever the culture that people uh, can live in the high side of these personality stories. So how do we use these personality stories to further our spiritual growth? How do you use them? To, to uh, further our spiritual growth? Uh, well, we use the personality stories uh, to, uh, to shield us and protect us. We're not using okay. it for personal growth. It's the letting go of the story. It's the okay. understanding of the story, the unwinding of the story that we can use for personality, for personal growth. For, for spiritual growth because because then we're not we're letting go of our obsessions and our compulsions okay those obsessions and those compulsions are patterned and programmed and when we can mm -hmm. understand them then we can see through them so they're kind of like blocks and restrictions and keeps that that keeps us from moving into who we truly are well, yes, every position that we hold is a block and a restriction to moving into who we truly are, who, which we, which is already there, but is being hidden by this, by this obsession. So the obsession is, is that we, we get anxious, we, we get, uh, we, we, we don't feel that we're secure. And so we, we doubt ourselves, we doubt the energy around us, we, 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 um, we feel insecure and, and, and uh, vulnerable at every moment, which has truth when we live in that story. But when we let go of that story, the fact is, is that we're protected every moment and, and that challenges are really opportunities for growth. And when we have that mind side, then the, the negative sides disappear of the stories. What are some of the stories that you found that you were telling yourself? Uh, well, I'm a seven in the Enneagram. I'm the enthusiast. The people, the, the people like me because I have a lot of enthusiasm, but it, it's while, while that's the high side and it's a wonderful teaching tool for you to get in touch with your own enthusiasm, my enthusiasm is a front for covering up the, the, my own insecurity. That's the story. And so, so the, the greener pastures and the continual moving and the, and the not wanting to feel the feelings are all, which are keynotes of the Enneagram 7 story, the, the, uh, the enthusiast, is that they're, they're all covering up the fact is that there's an inner emptiness that, uh, that is so painful to touch into that I, that I, you know, in 50 or 60 years, you don't even realize it until you read it in the book. Because it's so it's so painful to you that you your own truth that you can't you can't see it. What are the nine different personalities? So the nine, the the first number one. So they're numbered. They're not hierarchical, but they have names and they have. We use numbers because not everybody uses the same name. So the one is the perfectionist who 
who, who uses uh, the, the sense of everything needs to be done right in order to protect themselves from the idea that they, they have, that they're, inca that they're incapable and that they, they, they need right because otherwise they would be useless and incompetent. And the two is the helper who, who uh, helps other people and is so gracious to other people, which looks like they're so gracious, but the fact is, is that they feel unworthy within themselves. And by helping other people, they then create a dependency relationship that, get, that then gives them the love that they feel they don't have. The three is the achiever who achieves in order to find uh, a, a sense of self-worth within themselves that they don't feel. The four is the individualist who is um, sensitive and and emotional and and creative, and they they uh, they need to be unique, and so they have a style that's all their own that that we all recognize. Uh, Kennedy's President Kennedy's wife, a four, you know that style that everybody saw for for decades when she was alive uh, is covering up the fact is that I need to be special and that I don't feel special within myself. The five is the observer who uses information in order to protect themselves from their own insecurities of, of, of being useless. The six is the, uh, the loyalist, the one who is the most anxious and doubtful and fearful in the Enneagram world, the ones that we recognize that way, who, who, um, who forget their successes and feel anxiety because they're always in the future, where, where, and and, and worried about future events of which none, hardly any of the things they ever worry about come true or happen. And the seven, the enthusiast, who who's whose outward energy is a front for the fact that there's an inner emptiness that they have to cover up. The eight is the, the boss or the, um, the challenger, Jack Nicholson's an eight and uh, is uh, in your face. There's no defense in, in eights. It's all offense to cover up the teddy bear in their heart, that vulnerability that, that, that if they show weakness, then they're gonna feel, uh, they don't wanna show weakness because weakness isn't, isn't good when when everybody's attracted to vulnerability man or woman everybody loves vulnerability in other people and rather than think it's it's deforming in fact it's very attractive and the nine at the top of the enneagram uh figure is the uh the peacemaker the one who disengages in from themselves and accommodates other people in order to feel um their own disconnection to themselves. Can you fall into more than one of these categories? Or is there just one no, base? Not at the core, but there is a teaching within the Enneagram that we go to that, for example, myself as a seven, in stress, I will go to my wings first, which my six wings, so I'll become doubtful, uh, you know, I, 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 I used to talk about, a, I'll talk about it in terms of this podcast, but it used to be in terms of lectures many, uh, you know, many years ago that I would get doubtful about, about so I'm, I'm getting ready to come on with you. And so I get doubtful that, that, that they won't like it and they won't come, nobody will come and why should I do it? And, and they won't like what I say. And that's the insecurity of, 
my own fear of coming on and, and sharing myself. I'm not saying I felt that. I'm saying that's the story. And so then you go to six as a wing to try to compensate for that behavior. And then, and then I go to one in stress where I become self-righteous and blaming and, and angry, whereas sevens are very easygoing, but when they're stressed, then they get, they get um, self-righteous and blaming of other people that you're causing me to feel my stress. All the points go to another point, seven goes to one, uh, one goes to four in stress, four goes to two in stress. It's, it's, a, it's a set pattern that has an incredible intelligence when you understand it. So how can you break this, this, this cycle? Do you work with people on how to do that? So how we break it is at the end of a three-hour reading, people, I, I sort of say, maybe somebody said this to me at one time. I forget. That's being a seven. I have no idea where it came from. But, but <laughs> I say that at the end, people say, okay, Indra, this is wonderful information. Now what do I do with it? And so I say the four doorways to conscious living. And so the first doorway is you need to learn to observe. You need to watch your own behavior. You need to watch your own thinking. You need to watch how you react to other people's thinking and other people's behavior. And you need to, you need to notice when you start getting nervous and you start getting twitchy and edgy and where you're comfortable and where you're not comfortable and ask yourself, well, why is that? Why, why am I feeling uncomfortable right now? And you're fine that you've been triggered in some of these core triggers triggers that are very obvious once you know your Enneagram point. So that's the observing. That's the first doorway. And the second doorway is to let go and release what doesn't serve you. I like to give this quote, reaching for it. Letting go involves being aware of a feeling, letting it come up, staying with it, and letting it run its course without wanting to make it different or do anything about it. It means simply to let the feeling be there and to focus on letting out the energy behind it when letting go, ignore all thoughts. And this is from an incredible book, like scripture this book is. It's so sacred and beautiful, called Letting Go by a man named David Hawkins. He's Ooh. a very enlightened man, been uh, passed on now, not with us anymore. But the books are with us and and... Uh, they're incredible. And so then the third, thor, the third doorway is to love ourselves. And then the fourth doorway is to live in the moment. So if we live in the moment, then we love ourselves. If we're not loving ourselves, we're not in the moment. And, um, and then, so how do we love ourselves? Well, we let go and release what doesn't serve us. So how do we know what to let go and release? Well, we just observe. And in the letting go, in the observing, and in the letting go, then you will notice your patterns, especially if you study the Enneagram. You will notice, or, or if not, because you've got mates, and you've got coworkers, and you've got bosses, and you've got kids who are reflecting to you your, your bad patterns all the time. And rather than feel the shame of those patterns, if we realize that it's not us, but it's a reaction, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's an inbred reaction to our feeling not secure. There are feeling that the vulnerability of our ego and vulnerability of our, of, our, of our bodies and our identification with thinking that we are the body. Mm -hmm. And that when we understand the patterning, then we let that go. And we realize that that's, 
that's silly. I don't need to do that anymore. I maybe I needed to do it when I was seven or five, but I don't really need to do that anymore. And in fact, I don't even feel that way about it is that you know that i'm happy with vulnerability and that i've and that you're reflecting back to me my own self and where i need to grow and uh and so i say thank you for that why is it that you why why do you think that we identify with our bo- as as individual bodies and instead of spiritual beings Okay, well, this is a setup. Thank you so much. So the baby, you have, you have kids, by the way? Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, they're grown, yeah. but yes. Yeah, sure. Okay, so the baby three to six months old grabs his or her foot and doesn't know it's a foot and doesn't know it's theirs because it's preconcepts. Okay. And then a year, le- and then a year later, mommy says baby's blanket baby's blanket and then six months later the toddler says my book my blanket my mommy and then the misidentification has occurred because of the use of pronouns in our language rather than the language based on objects would be nouns or or actions would be verbs like treeing you know it's like me being with the tree you know it's all on me and so we we get this misidentification with the with that we are a body rather than we are essence and we spend the rest of our life on doing this misidentification. That's an interesting way to think about it. I hadn't thought about it like that. I mean it literally I mean you're right because we when we're when we're first born I mean we have no identification at all. As a baby. Yes, and then we learn the identification and we learn it to, and we're taught it in a loving way in order to help us to adapt to this world. But yeah. we're adapting to it through people's conditioning and fears rather than adapting to it in a way from our higher selves or their or our parents' higher selves, which is just saying, you just be a free spirit. And, and it's just blanket. It's not your blanket, it's just blanket. And so when we learn it's just blanket and then we, and we don't know that it's our blanket, then, we're, then, then, we don't, then we don't have to be possessive and then we don't have to have expectations and then we don't have to have needs because the needs will be met because there aren't any needs. The needs are only of the ego. They're not of the soul. So is that the secret of life? Let me ask you that. What is the secret of well, life? <laughs> so I've had this question a couple of times. So I, I say that there's a story again, I don't know if I made it up or I heard it, but there's a, a sort of a joke story. And the, the story goes is that Mrs. God, that God says to Mrs. God, where should I hide the secret of life? And Mrs. God says, put it in their heart. They'll never find it there. And so the secret of the secret of life is living out of the heart. It's not living out of the head. It's 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 the heart that's in the gut, not the heart that's connected to the head that that I desire something. We're not talking about that heart. We're talking about the pure heart, which is connected with the gut, which is connected in with our intuition. And we're talking about the secret of life is living in that in that intuition, living in unconditional love, living in love, 
I don't know why I have to say unconditional, but living in the kind of love that's unconditional, not the sticky love that has needs and expectations and, and the kind of love that if you don't give me what I, if you don't do what I want, then I'm not going to love you. That's not love. We call it love, but it's not love. But the secret of life is to just, just to love and to be in your intuition and to let go of the, the needs and the expectations because they only hold back living why in our is, higher self. Why is it, do you think that as, as souls, as spirits, we incarnate into these bodies? So I read an incredible quote again from the a David Hawkins book. I'm not exactly sure which one it was, but he implies that he remembered that in one of his higher moments, and he's a pretty evolved guy. He had a, he had mm -hmm. a out of body understanding life in its essence as a three-year-old. So wow. we're, not we're not talking with about a regular guy, but he mentions mm -hmm. that at one point he, I suppose, remembered or he had the intuition of like remembering. It's a form of remembering mm -hmm. that that as an ethereal being, that the thought occurred to him that I wonder what it's like to have individuality. Okay, and so mm -hmm. we are individuals, and we spend our whole life trying to feel connectedness, the connectedness that's already there, that's, in, that's implicit in the system, and that's how we can, that we can feel other people's energies is because we're all connected, mm -hmm. but as a, and so we, as individuals, then long for that connectedness, which is here, but as an ethereal being that lives in all this connectedness, that we we get this you know when we feel not complete we or not maybe not complete but maybe we feel like we need to express we want to express ourselves we want to know what 3d feels like we want more we're not content and happy which is a human condition i suppose we feel that on the ethereal level too, that when we're not, so what does our dreams go to on the ethereal level? We go to that dream to feel independent, to feel 3D, to be able to do what we want, to get, get, to get all the responsibilities and all the connectedness and all, you know, to be like, leave the family behind and be kind of alone and kind of do what you want to do. That's, that's the, the pull of being in the body. And the thing about being in the body is that I, I, I've, I've said this a few times, is like jealousy is like, like our mentor on the ethereal plane says to us, you know, you're kind of attached to jealousy and you say, oh, mentor, uh, you know, whether that's God or whatever, you know, oh, mentor, um, you know, I, I, I appreciate your words that I, that I, that I need to let go of jealousy, but on this level, I, I, it's really hard for me to feel and enunciate. And, and the mentor says, you know what, uh, let's send you down to a body because when your mate walks out holding the hand of your best friend, you're going to have a feeling of jealousy that, that is really <laughs> going to kick you into being able to let it go. What do you think is, <clears throat> excuse me, what do you think is your primary lesson in this lifetime? Or have you, do you think you've, you're, you've learned it or you're going to learn it or? Well, yeah, I don't or know. Has to, been. Be, to be, to be, the seven is about doing. And so the, 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 
the 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 thing is about being that you can't you don't need to plan you don't need to there is no control and it's about being it's not about doing that everything that you want comes in the being and that in the doing you push away some of the things that you want that you don't actually in the doing yes you can do some achieving in the doing but mostly you're stirring things up and in the being then it comes and then you don't have to worry about it it's like in the doing is there's a compulsiveness that if I don't do it, then it won't happen. And that I, I, I need it and I want it. And, you know, and in being none of that is there. And so it just, it just automatically comes to you. We, we had a, um, my wife had to go take the, uh, had to renew her driver's license recently. And, um, she did something online that they were she was supposed to do and she didn't know she's she's dutch so she's still she's been she's been here 10 years but she's still a little bit new with our systems uh, which isn't to say that i would have understood this either but anyways the point was she went through what they had done and when she got there to take the driving test not the driving test but the i the the, the written test and the eye test which you had to do to upgrade her license they said you've already you're already filled that you've already been renewed and you don't need to do the driving, the, the, the written test, only the eye test. And then, and then you're, or maybe not even the eye test. I can't remember, but anyways, it was all automatically done. And she went to talk. We had a, we had a situation here. She had to go to talk to someone about letting them down about something. And, and they'd already, and, and she, as she went to, she picked the perfect moment. And when she went to tell them, they said, Oh, I've already decided the same. And like it was a total not it was a it was a celebration rather than a, than a, rather than a, a, a tense a tenseness you know a celebration a, a coming together celebration rather than a tense celebration or a tense feeling and and so in the being that stuff happens all the time. If you had an opportunity to do have a do over with something, what would it be? in life. I mean, if you, if you could do something over again, because, and I don't know where this question is coming from, but I'm being told to ask you this question. Yeah, but No, it doesn't matter where, if you had a do over, you mean a particular event? Yeah. And in, in your life, I mean, it's just something that, that you had. You no, know, I don't do sit in much do over, you know, I kind of just accept the fate, you know, I mean, there is definitely things that I've done that, uh, that I'm not proud of, you know, but the thing is, is that we didn't know any better at the time. And uh, I don't particularly want to say any one particular thing, but the maybe the way I've treated some people, maybe the way, uh, maybe there were things, you know, I remember it um, in uh, elementary school that we had, uh, for two years, we had uh, music things like uh, a third of a semester, a third of the year, Three, three sessions in a year that you could pick a musical instrument and go from one to the other and da 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 and I kind of didn't do much with that that maybe I would redo that but um, I don't want to sit here and regret I don't want to sit here and finding fault did I do my best with that no do I regret it no you know would I do it again a different way being uh, smarter and older and wiser yeah but I don't regret not being, you know, being a little kid and not knowing any better and having fears because that's because they're because of the blessing that they're not here anymore. That they're not here anymore 
takes away the whole pain of that they were here. I've heard I've heard people talk about bus stop conversations, and actually, I've done a podcast on these bus bus stop conversations where we've our souls have said, "Oh, you know, I want to come down to earth and learn about self forgiveness." So, will you, Johnny? You know, help me with self forgiveness, and you know, you you come down to to earth, and Johnny helps you by drinking and driving and hitting your daughter or whatever, and you have to learn forgiveness. I don't know. I'm just making something up. Do you, do you think that that sort of thing happens or how do you, how do you think that we actually overcome these nine different personalities or, I mean, it, well, I don't, I'm not exactly sure about what the bus, I've heard this term bus stop, but uh, like some of the terms, I don't exactly know what that is. But the point is, is that there are repeat, we meet people like, like when I was traveling during my traveling years, you would meet people uh, really neat people. And they didn't necessarily have anything in common. They weren't necessarily the same age. They weren't necessarily, they weren't from the same country that you were travelers. And that's all you had in common. I'm sure you've all had that experience. Mm -hmm. Even if you're, even if you're in the, uh, what do you call that? The, 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 the standalone resort, you know, whatever they call, <laughs> I forget the phrase for that. Oh, know. yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you're you talking know. about. Uh, yeah, mm, it's on the tip of my tongue. Yeah, so where, you, you know, where it's it's all it's all in one inclusive resort. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So you're still going to meet people that, that you feel a connection with. And, and so I noticed that some of these people, I might have only had, I might have had a rickshaw ride, you know, like five minutes, and we may not have even said anything maybe mm -hmm. and and other times i would meet them for 20 minutes and other times you might have them for for uh you know a month and other times you might have them for two or three years even and and so they come in for they, they we recognize each other and they come in for purpose of which i don't necessarily know what the purpose is and it doesn't matter what the purpose is and uh and um and then they either stay or they go. And uh, I had I met one young lady one time and a uh, long time ago. And, and, you know, she said we've been married before. You know, I met another another woman who said, you know, they were we were told that we were fathers to each other. But more of the time she was my father. So so the joke was that she's dad, you know, and even though she was <laughs> younger, uh, she had she had that role that 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 astrologically you can see in the charts where the interplay is and some of it it can be seen as as uh can be felt as past you know with each other it, it may be in this present life but it's representative of, of some past connections and 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 so yeah these people come along and they're they're incredible but that coming along doesn't mean that uh that they will you may not get more than 20 minutes and that's okay. You know, when, when you understand it, then that's okay. Because, because that's, that's the message and that's enough. At least that's the People, way I felt. Yeah. You bring up, you bring up astrology. How does that play into our spirituality and lifetimes? And I mean, how, how does that actually affect who we are? 
So the readings that I give in astrology, I don't do any predictions. I'm not interested in predicting anything. I don't know when or if it'll happen that you have free will. But what I am interested in is giving you the strengths and weaknesses of your natal chart. And the strengths and weaknesses, they could be, they could be karmic. I don't mm -hmm. like to think so much that way. Not that I'm against karma or against reincarnation in previous lives, but I find that in terms of the the of the four doorways to conscious living, the last one being living in the moment, I find that worrying about that eight lifetimes ago when you got stabbed, um, I think the issue is what are you going to do about it right now? Not what happened to you back then. I mean, there may be some value in exploring that. But you don't actually need to know why or what something, a pain is in order to release it. You only need to release it. That, that knowing why or what doesn't actually, the only thing that that helps is your ego and your mind. It doesn't really help the releasing necessarily. You still have to release it. How do you go about releasing it? You go about it releasing it by being aware of it, by being aware of it, letting it come up, staying with it, and then letting it run its course without wanting to make it different or do anything about it. You let the let that feeling be there and you focus on letting out the energy behind it and you ignore all thoughts. Sometimes it's really hard to actually be with the feeling. I heard a lady say one time a feeling of those intense feelings where you feel like you're you just can't breathe can only last for five minutes yes and and so you bounce off of them and that's going to work really good until it doesn't and the point is is that there comes a point where you just want to face your fear and you want to face your rejection you want to face your shame you can't live with it anymore you you don't want it anymore and you're really tired of it getting into your relationships and getting it into your jobs and making the places you live not work out and you keep moving and you just get agitated and agitated and agitated. And after a while, you reach a point, a climax of a such, a such where you just won't take it anymore. You remember that movie, they shout out, they shout, shouted out the windows. I, 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 we won't take it anymore, you know, you know, whatever, I forget exactly what it was, but we're not gonna take it anymore. And so, and so you do, you reach a climax point where you say, I'm gonna face that fear because the reality of it is, is that facing the fear is a lot better and, and dealing with it is a lot, it gets a lot better. I call it the seesaw tipping, you know, that the seesaw tips and all of a sudden that the facing of it is a lot, is, it, it seems easier and, and better. It's more attractive than sitting in the pain of the resentment of it and, and reliving those situations over and over, not only mentally, but 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 having the new partner be the same story or the new job being the same story or the new the new uh, you, you know, you know, wanting to you wanted to become a uh, wanting to be a painter or wanting to be a writer or wanting to be a, uh, a podcaster and, and facing your fears with that and not doing it and feeling the shame and the resentment and the smallness and the diminishing that at some point that becomes bigger than the fear of finally facing it. And at that point, the seesaw tips and then you're ready to let it go. But before that, it's really hard. It's why do you not think the right time. Why do you think people stay in it? 
people stay in it because because you know that old uh, thing about we used to say about young kids that it's uh, that it's better to, to to get bad energy than no energy at all. So we act out, and so you still act out. I can't say how, but <laughs> but you know we all still have ways that we're a little kid that we act out, and so that 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 acting out that the the, the badness of the acting out is is better than the feelings we have behind it. But that comes to a place where, where that changes and we can't do it anymore as we become more conscious, as we become more, more courageous, as we become more aware, more mature, have different goals in life. What does it mean to be happy for you? What, what does happiness look like for you? Happiness looks like for me is just being in the moment and everything is beautiful and there's there's nothing there's no need for anything to change and be any different moment to moment that in happiness uh bliss truth awareness love and peace all come together in a sense of um in a sense of completeness nothing missing nowhere to go nowhere to be and i i've been wanting to uh you know, I haven't really told the story, but I've been wanting to share this story and I had forgotten a couple of times, but this is a good spot. So I'm going to tell you a really special story that I was in New Zealand one time around um, uh, 2003. So almost 20 years ago, I, I spent a week in, in the North Island and I, I uh, the phrase that I used for the at that time, this was uh our summer, so it was their winter, it was in August, and it was a million shades of green. And so I traveled, I rented a car, and I had almost a week, and I traveled about 50 miles a day from town to town along the coast, and then the island isn't, then I went over to the other coast, and the island wasn't very wide. And I stayed in these, uh, for I think 15 or $20 US, you could kind of stay in kind of uh, fancy uh, camping, kind of, I don't remember where they were tents or a cabin. I think it was a cabin and I think it had communal kitchens. It was a really nice setup and it was very cheap. So I was, it was Friday. I forget what day, maybe I flew in on Monday and now it was Friday, it was towards the end of my week. I was gonna meet some people I knew on Sunday, I think, and then fly on Monday to the South Island. And so it was Friday afternoon and I had uh, checked into my camp and I was going to my, my, my campsite, as it were, my, my fancy campsite. And so I took a walk before I was going to go eat. And so I was, I was walking in, through a field and I got to this place that it was kind of a, on top of a hill that was overlooking the ocean and there was a bench there. And so I sat on the bench. And I was looking out at the ocean. It was looking west towards Australia, uh, a thousand miles away. And the sun was setting and it was just ideal. And I said to myself at that moment, I said, if this is the end, if I never get off this bench, then I'm a happy camper <laughs> in more ways than one. And I don't need for it to keep going. This would be the perfect end and the sunset and eventually i got off the bench and i went t 
to eat dinner. I, I remember it was a, a small place where everybody, this little town was kind of a more of an alternative center and it was like neat people. And I remember talking to some people and just having a neat old time. But that feeling that on that bench, and I've had that again, and I don't remember where the second time it happened. And maybe I had it more than once. But just a moment, a moment of completeness that if, it, if this is the end, that this is, that this is perfection on earth, that this, I feel completely complete because everything is just so, so beautiful, you know, orgasmic in the sense of, of a completeness and a fullness. And, uh, and so that was in 2003. So by then I was already starting to feel this happiness in terms of the traveling and having experiences that were unworldly in the sense that they were so beautiful and so complete and uh, that didn't need, they didn't need to be told, they didn't need to be shared. They were complete as they were, there was nothing missing. And that's a, that's a beautiful moment. You ever had that experience? I have few and far between, but yes, that is, uh, and, and it's funny, you're, you're telling that story and I could literally just see it in my mind's eye and I'm like, chills all, all over my body. I'm like, I could so see it. So it's about um, continually surrendering and surrendering mm -hmm. is hard at the beginning and hard in the middle, but it gets easier and it becomes a way of life. You have to put years into it, but it's a continually surrendering. Thich Nhat Hanh, Ram Dass, uh, Dalai Lama, these people are continually surrendering. They're not holding on to anything. They're just letting go. It just, it just, it just, it doesn't touch them. And it being anything. If there's one lesson that you could pass on to the listeners to me, what would that one lesson about life be? Well, let me think about that's a good question. Let me think about that for a moment here. The the lesson, the one lesson is the is to love yourself, is to is to is to know that we're divinity, is to recognize the divinity within us and divinity in this experience, especially now at this time when there's so much crappy stuff going on in the world and and things that we don't understand but my wife told me a story this morning she was saying that uh she had read that someone that during covid somebody couldn't get their their medicines and so they couldn't get to the doctor and they couldn't get their medicines and all of a sudden they started doing some self-healing because what was left and now two years later, now they're healed and they don't need the medicines. And so the thing is, is that the, 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 a two year reset with, with seclusion and, and not having to commute and, and, and more aloneness and more, and more and, and less noise from the world. I mean, less noise from the world in the sense of no concerts to go to and no bars to go to and no theater to go to and, and, and uh, that we found uh, uh, more peace, even if we also have more fears and, and challenges, we also have more peace. And so the fact is, is that that divinity is in every moment, you know, the old poster of uh, the 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 two steps walking and the, it's like where were you God and I was carrying you guy don't you get it and mm -hmm. so 
that's the idea is that this is a blend of divinity, it's humanity and divinity. You can't separate them. And when you do separate them, you're in separation and then you have nothing but pain and suffering. Would you say it's a matter of changing perspective? Well, sure. Changing perspective. That's why traveling is so good. You're changing perspective. You're changing uh, planetary energy. I'm a location astrologer. So, so we believe that different places have different effects on people based on the way that your chart lays onto the earth. Uh, absolutely different perspective, different attitudes are, are part of it. And, uh, um, and allowing yourself to change perspective about things is, is really important that, 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 that with, with a junky point of view, it's really hard to find happiness flat out. No matter how good it is, you're going to find fault with it. <laughs> Very true. Very yeah. Good. You know, like the husband that always comes home at the same time, it becomes the, why are you always coming home on the same time? Will you once not be that I can set my watch to you? You know, we can find fault with the most, you know, the most neutral things, you know, you're perfect in that you're, you never make a mistake. And then you feel threatened at first, you're attracted to it. And then you feel threatened by it because, because it's the a hair is never out of place. You know, my wife will wear white and she won't stain it or wrinkle it. And, and like, you know, I put it on and I get it stained, you know, I can't make white or look good in any way. And she, she I mean, I, you see people in India that you're on a train and they sleep in their clothes and you can't even tell somehow. I, I think of wearing white and it automatically gets stained. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, there's people that can do that. It's just really amazing. And that isn't, that is neither a good nor bad. That is just how they are. And so, and so the idea can be to, to, to clone that energy, to clone that ability, to clone the appreciation of it and, and appreciate it, even if you can't do it, appreciate that, that she can do that because, because it's representative of a lot of, uh, of her other abilities, which, which would be clear thinking, which would be no BS, which would be, you know, she's Dutch, Dutch direct. So, you know, I, I get it. I get it. You know, like whether I want it or not, I get it. And it's just, it's, it's beautiful because it's not, it doesn't come with anything extra. It, it's just, it's just, you know, she said to me recently, she, she said, I was out, I was going to go do some errands with the pickup and it wouldn't start. So I come in and I say, can you help me get the pickup? started because she has uh, the 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 keys to we have a, a charger thing that you can carry around so she said five minutes which is you know she doesn't like my spontaneity which is understandable so uh, so I say fine you know but then later on she says to me you were a little pushed you know you really wanted to get that truck working and I said thank you for that but she didn't say it in a way of uh junkie you know she said it was she just was prospecting it she just kept mirroring it back to me which was which was true you know that that it had it had pushed me a little bit that it wouldn't work and then it started and it worked fine to complete the story i don't want anybody to have any heartbroken over my truck so it was <laughs> fine but the point is is that uh i got a i got this opportunity to look back that it, it triggered me a little bit i had yeah. expectations Mm -hmm. And usually when we have expectations, that's when we 
we get a little perturbed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. And we get, and the truck won't start. The truck won't start in order to teach us that lesson. Mm, I know that feeling. They're not, it's not always a fun one. So how yes. can people find you? Where can they find you at? So I have a website, indrarinsler.com. It's all one word. I, I, I have the email, indrarinsler at gmail.com if people want to write to me. I, I offer readings if people are interested in that, if people have questions, if they respond to anything that I have said, and if they're interested, I offer readings and I'm happy to answer anybody's questions. I do offer to your listeners. If they're interested, I can send you a free Enneagram test. It takes about five or 10 minutes so that you can find your own point. That's the beginning of an incredible search into once you find your point or, or even finding the point for some people your Enneagram number to understanding what's at your core. And, and also likewise, I'm a Vedic astrologer, the astrology of India, and I'd be happy to send anybody their Vedic astrology chart. I need three pieces of information, uh, date, time, and place of birth. And if you send me an email and I like if people tell me where they're from, it's kind of fun to see where people are from. Um, then I will send you back your chart and a little bit of explanation so that you can work with it a little bit if you're interested. And then you can Google the positions and study it if you don't like want a fun. reading. So yeah. those two offers are free for anybody and uh, um, happy to connect with anybody and, and, um, and, and share. That sounds like fun. I will make sure all that's in the uh, show notes, guys. So check it out in the show notes too. Well, one of the questions I ask at the end of the show to all my guests, and we're going to go to your um, bench there on the sea. And uh, <laughs> yeah, if you had an opportunity to sit back on that bench again and speak with someone for an hour, whether that person be in this world or on the other side of the world, in the spirit world, who would it be? And what would you talk about for an hour? Oh hypotheticals um, oh i know i love these hypotheticals <laughs> who would it be and what would i talk about well you know the thing is is that i learned in india a long time ago that you you come to satsang you come to a spiritual gathering with a lot of questions but when you're in the when you're in the presence of greatness knowledge all the questions disappear. So what comes to me right now that uh, that I, it would be my parents, you know, my parents died a long time ago. And uh, I think it would be fun. I mean, I could talk about I could I could I could bring teachers in. But, you know, that would be you know, it would be it would be silent. It wouldn't you know, what am I going to say? How are you doing? You know, I really enjoyed your books. You know, I mean, <laughs> You know, the, the, the answers are already in their books. You don't really need to discuss with them. It's the mind thing. So, uh, you know, truthfully, in my heart of hearts, what comes up is it's, it's time to connect with the parents. So if I could go back to that beach, that bench, well, I've never left the bench, so it's not about going back to the bench. But, but uh, on that bench, I may have already connected with my parents. I have no idea. But those would probably be the ones that uh, that's what comes up in this moment, Amy. I love it. I got chills as you were saying that. <laughs> I can see your mom sitting there beside you. <laughs> yeah, I think she would like that. She well, would. Well, I don't, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm know, sure That's a projection. <laughs> no, she would. I can, yeah. I can tell. Okay, that's maybe where I got that from. 
Thank you so much for joining me today and for being on Butterfly Kisses. It's been a pleasure getting to know you and hearing your stories. And uh, thank you for indulging me on some of my questions and answering yeah. them. I really appreciate yeah. it. Well, thanks for having me, Amy, and, and uh, blessings to you and to everybody out there. We're wonderful to be with you and to share with you today. Thank you for joining me on another episode of Butterfly Kisses, a journey of spiritual transformation. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe by hitting the subscribe button. This way you won't miss it when a new episode is released. Also, if you're interested in learning more about Akashic Record readings, you can schedule a free 15-minute consultation with me by visiting my website at amygraycunningham.com. Again, thank you. And remember, always spread your gorgeous wings, my friend, and fly. Until next time, see ya.